and welcome back to Dollars and Dragons. Today we have with us Ashley Warren. If you'd like to introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm Ashley Warren. I'm a writer, creative educator, creative content strategist, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I like to uh, produce projects for uh, the tabletop role-playing gaming community and 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 writers in all independent writing communities. Wonderful. And let's talk about your origin story before we get into all of these great topics. Uh, where did you end up starting and uh, what happened there? Sure. So I got into tabletop games in about 2016. Uh, I happened to have friends who really wanted to learn about Dungeons and Dragons. And I, I had definitely had a lifelong interest in learning about D&D specifically. When I was younger, I used to look at some of the books at the library and I was like, this is cool. I'm a geek. I like geeky things already. So I know eventually I want to check out D&D. I just didn't really know anyone who played D&D who really knew how to facilitate it for, for many, many years. So it wasn't until I was well into adulthood that I happened to have you know, close friends who, um, you know, shared an interest in learning about it. So in 2016, we started our first campaign and I got immediately obsessed, which is kind of how things go for me. When I, when I explore a new geeky interest, it tends to be kind of an immediate uh, obsession for me. And I, I knew, well, actually I didn't know at the time that there was a platform called Dungeon Masters Guild, where you could write and publish your own D&D modules. My awesome Dungeon Master told me about that because he knew that I love to write, love to be a creative writer. And I was really interested in how D&D adventures were, were written and published and, and, and laid out because there's a really specific like information architecture there that I was really interested in. And I thought the art was amazing. And I was also learning more just about tabletop games in general. And there was so many cool genres and games. And I was like, I, I want I want to get in on this. And so in 2017, I published my very first module on DMs Guild and it's been a whirlwind ever since. That is such a nerd thing because you said not like, I want to create fantasy stories and this is a vehicle that allows me to do that. You said, I really enjoy looking at the structure and layout of this information and I can't wait to put my own information into this structure. Yeah, I, I feel like that is that embodies a lot of my personality. I've always been a creative writer. I love creativity and, and art and that, you know, and like kind of... the the fluidity and flow that comes with creativity. But I'm also a really analytical and logical person. And so my whole life is about trying to find this like happy middle ground there. And I feel like I'm kind of finally there where I'm, I'm finding ways to embrace both. But that's always been a little both like tricky, but also a benefit because a lot of writing is structured. And I think when writers don't think of their work as structured, it can feel harder than it needs to when you don't embrace the fact that there's information architecture that goes into writing. So luckily, I feel like with with D&D writing, the fact that they're technically t like they're technical documents that you're writing for people, like there are rules and mechanics and things that you're trying to facilitate for people. I think that that helps me. It gives me a framework for really cool fantasy storytelling, which of course is like the foundation of what I love about that. I love fantasy settings and creatures and, and uh, you know, the hero's quest and things like that. But I really did like the fact that there are, there's like a structure to that. And when I was looking at D and D books, I was like, that's, that's an interesting way to be a creative writer, to be a narrative designer and a game designer. So uh, you're definitely right that I'm very geeky about these things. 
luckily, I feel like being a geek about that stuff is is rewarded in our communities. Like the more yeah. geeky you are about it, I think the better you'll you'll fare. Yeah, definitely. Because you, I get into these conversations with like uh, my friend Nat, uh, who's one of the contributors for like MCDM stuff, and one of the things that uh, comes up is like, how can we tell this information in as concise a way as possible, yet be within the bounds of like something that's creative and fun, and like what's the most elegant way to word something and just to edit it down down to like the absolute necessity of what needs to be there and still allow someone to receive that information interpret it and then use it in a creative way on their own separate from our process it's really fascinating i think as a medium as well because i think there are very few things like that in the world Absolutely. And I think that I, I'm a firm believer that structure lets creatives be creative. Sometimes when there's no bounds to a project, it it doesn't it, it means that there's there's almost like too many options, there's too many paths. And that's not necessarily conducive to creativity or or good brainstorming or good ideating. So I think uh, you know, the, the framework really gives writers and storytellers a, a lot to work with. And if you can see it like that rather than it being a limitation, then I think you'll 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 have a lot of fun creating within that structure. Yeah, absolutely. And I just have to say, like me coming from the military and writing like five paragraph orders, like tactically and like dealing with logistics and everything like that, as far as figuring out both in a tactical way when I was in the infantry, trying to take a structured and put in the information that I needed and then use a creative, a creative uh, sort of thrust of information or plan uh, within a structure, sort of consuming and uh, being introduced to this TTRPG structure, which is very similar to uh, something like that in that we use templates and like the language is all uh, the same. So if you work with any military within NATO, all the language and the keywords and the uh, anything on the map essentially that could be used is all formalized so that, for instance, when I worked with the French Marines, like we were still able to communicate because we understood the basics of like NATO five paragraph orders uh, that everybody used. And yeah, so I, I think that's really interesting in a in a fun, newbie friendly way to create. Um, I think there's a lot of value, especially uh, as a dungeon master to pick up uh, the the guide on DMs Guild. Um, did did you make the guide or did someone else make the guide? I seem to remember that in my brain. The how to use how to structure uh, or format. Anyway, it's on DMs Guild for free to how to format stuff to be able to publish stuff on there. And I think that's a great way for people to start and just finish a project, a creative a creative project, and then get some feedback on it. And you just are still at that point treating it like a hobby. And then eventually, like when you get some more experience and like you have lessons learned and you're moving past that initial period, then you can figure out, do I want to do this for a living? Do I want to get serious about this? But it's definitely an entry level place to start. And I think that's really beautiful. Tell me about your start on DM Skilled and how you went from there. Sure. Well, first of all, I think so much what you said is is so interesting. I love to hear about people's backgrounds and and how that applies to tabletop writing and design. Um, and I think also like what you, you touched on, like when there's a kind of a common language and expectation they're used in what you're writing, then, I mean, cause we, we, you can never predict how someone's going to necessarily interpret your, your writing. But when it comes to like game design or what you were talking about, like technical military documents, like, because there's a shared, you know, framework there, you can kind of anticipate, you know, or have some expectations for how people will interpret that, which I think is so interesting. 
Um, so when it comes to DMs Guild, like you said, it it seemed really newbie friendly. It seemed you know, approachable to get started there. And I was really inspired by, you know, the other work that was published on DMs Guild. At the time in 2017, it was a pretty active community, but it was still fairly small. And so what I did was I, like I said, I'm a very like analytical person. So I like to do lots of research. So I basically, I purchased a bunch of one-shot adventures published there. I studied them. I looked at their framework and basically like, how do you write a one-shot adventure? And what I kind of noticed was, you know, this, this kind of commonality in, in the, in the layout and the structure, like how you present information, because what you're writing is for the dungeon master. It's not for the players necessarily, unless you're writing a player facing module. For the most part, adventure documents are for DMs. And so you need to give them the information in a certain way to make their job a little bit easier when they're facilitating your story. And I was really excited about that because I really liked the idea of writing a story that didn't necessarily have one set outcome. And I will say like my, my very first adventure that I published on Dungeon Masters Guild called A Night of Masks and Monsters, still to this day, my most popular adventure, which is sometimes I'm like, oh God, like that was my very first piece. So I see the problems with it now, you know, like now that I've written so many more things, I, I've learned so much about narrative and game design. Like I see kind of the the you know the plot holes and and some of the railroading that's in it but for the most part i think the core idea is still cool people seem to really enjoy it still but i i had so much fun with the idea that i could really focus on setting and atmosphere and not necessarily have this incredible plot of course there's a narrative arc there but i was excited by the fact that i could see different outcomes there and mostly focus on like atmosphere which is what i get really excited about writing so yeah so that was my first holy first shit by the way i just looked at of mass of a night of mass and monsters downloaded more than 9500 times <laughs> holy fuck so actually i'm gonna blow your mind a little bit because that is old information and i was actually just told last week because it was recently adapted to be a roll 20 uh module uh-huh. it was it's actually been downloaded seventy five thousand times <gasps> Oh my God. So that is old. And from that number, and I don't say any of this to brag because it totally blows my mind too. And I still like that number, like really blows my mind. But yeah, I was just told that last week by the Roll20 team because they're like, hey, did you know, by the way, that like your adventure has been downloaded like, yeah, 75,000 times? It was like 74,800 and something. So it's like really close to that mark. But oh um, yeah, so, and I think a lot of that is because it's free. <laughs> it's a free module. And so that, you know, incentivizes people to download it. There's no stakes there for people, you know, they're not monetarily yeah. investing in it. But, um, and I, I've been really fortunate that this uh, adventure has been shared by Wizards of the Coast on their like social media platforms. Like it's, it's, it's kind of been shared yeah. a lot. So I'm very lucky that it kind of has taken on a life of its own. But yeah, I mean, it makes me, it's funny because even last week when the Roll20 conversion of it went live and they, they were sharing that on all their social media stuff. I was like having a little bit of a panic moment. I was like, Oh God, like I, I know that lots of people have downloaded this and played with this, but it still makes me nervous because this was my first right. adventure. And I don't, I know that it's not perfect. And I also think shooting prefer, for perfection is losing game, but right. it's still, it's still, I'm like, Oh, it's like my very first piece. Like I don't, in a lot of ways, it feels very me in terms of like the setting and the, and the atmosphere and a lot and the character characterization and, and things like that but in terms of the game design i'm like there's there's a lot of flaws in it because it was my very first foray into that so i'm like try not to overthink it just embrace the fact that people seem to enjoy it <laughs> and mm-hmm. hopefully 
that'll be an entry point for them discovering my other work, which I think is a little bit more sophisticated. But um, yeah, that's that adventure really like it's it's not really, um, you know, I feel like it feels overdramatic to say this, but that really it changed my life because it it took off kind of like immediately and I was not expecting that whatsoever. I don't know if it was timing. I, I don't know really what exactly led to people responding so positively to it, but it really set the trajectory of my life since then. So yeah, that, I don't know, something about that little adventure people really enjoy. And yeah, it, it's, it set me up for kind of this weird path that I'm now on yeah. in, in my life. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that I did no research, but now that I'm looking at like your DM skilled list, how many titles have you published on DM skilled? I don't know. I, I feel like ballpark. I, I should probably know, right? Because, um, well, it's the first like couple years that I was writing on DM Skill, I was writing, I was just like cranking out adventures. Uh, and then I joined the Guild Adepts, which was a program they had at the time. And then we worked on a lot of supplemental projects. So for like a couple years, I was like, I mean, at least one or two adventures a month. Um, so I would say, I don't know, a few dozen at this point, I feel. I see it's 48 items on DM Skills, which... Um, I think some of these are like doubles cause there's like a bundle or two, but like yeah. upwards of like 45, I think uh, by like my quick glance. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Uh, that's also funny. You didn't know, but <laughs> I know. that's bad. <laughs> yeah. I think I own like five of your titles. I, now that I'm looking at them, Thank I'm just you. like, well, I mean, I, I didn't do it for you. I, <laughs> I bought it for me. I know, but um, I appreciate your support and I'm glad that yeah. something about my work you know, seemed interesting enough, you know, to, yeah. to check out. So I'm always appreciative of that. Yeah. T- let's talk about Uncaged. Like, how did that get going? And like, let's talk about like the whole Uncaged thing. Cause it, it sort of started with just, um, well, actually tell me how it started, please. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. So Uncaged started in August of 2018. So I say that just to kind of give a timeline for how kind of quickly things <laughs> escalated in a positive way for me on DM Skilled, because I had published A Night of Mask and Monsters in December of 2017. After that, I was pretty much publishing like an, at least an adventure a month at that point. Um, in July, I joined the Guild Adepts. And so things were really like, and I was getting a ton of commissions, like things were just like really wild and busy. I really was enjoying um, the concept of like writing an adventure anthology. And I was really inspired because I always start with the monster manual when I'm writing a a new one shot just for my own personal interest. I love to pick a creature and kind of think about the lore and the story around that. And when I was going through the monster manual, I was like, wow, there's a lot of, you know, creatures that are female coded from mythology that don't really have the best and, you know, the best lore, you know, it's, it's a lot of it's really deeply problematic. And, and that goes back to the original mythology, not just their D&D versions. But I was just mm-hmm. thinking, like, how cool would it be to write an adventure anthology about these, these creatures, like they deserve to kind of have a different, uh, you know, have their stories told in a different way. And D&D is a great way to do that, because you actually get to interact with these creatures, you you get the chance to kind of tell their stories differently, and, and kind of change the narrative around that. And so I was just going to write something just on my own. I was like, I'm just going to write, a f- you know, a few adventures, just like Medusa, Harpies, you know, hags, like, you know, the cool, the cool ones. Yeah. And I was like, this would be way cooler if it weren't just me. Like, I want to, I don't, I want to see other people's takes on this. And I had enough friends in this community at this point that I was like, you know, I, I bet if I like put out this idea, you know, I could probably get a couple friends and we can do this together. That would be cool. So I put it on Twitter. I was just like, hey, this is a really, I think this could be a really fun idea. And it totally like 
blew up. Like it just, it, I wouldn't say it went viral because I mean, at the time it felt like it was going viral, even though it probably had like 20 retweets, but it was like getting shared a lot and people were starting to like message me and, and, and email me. And I was just like, whoa, okay, there is a lot of interest here. And so what I did is I put together this like quick kind of submission page on my website. So I was like, okay, I want to be a little bit more methodical about this. And if people are interested, I want to get their information to see what they want to write. And so I put that out and then that hundred percent like took off that like really truly exploded. And I was getting just like dozens and dozens, dozens of emails and form submissions and, and mostly from people who had never written for D and D before. They were just like, I'm curious about D and D or I've played D and D. I didn't know that you could write for it on Dungeon Masters Guild. I love this, you know, concept and I would love to like do this, but I've never written for D and D before. And then I got some from people who were a little bit more experienced, but I was like, you know, let's just all do this together. There's no reason for me as just kind of this in, at the time informal project lead, like turn anyone down. Like I, it's just, it was just me. Like, so I, I didn't want to be like, you know, I'll say like no to this. So I was like, yeah, let's just get everyone involved. Let's, let's just see what we can make of this. Um, and so it immediately became much bigger project than I had really anticipated. There was so much energy and excitement around it. And so, um, and of course, like to keep it moving, I had to set some deadlines. I was like, okay, if we're going to do this, we have to actually like do it. Cause I, I don't, I'm definitely the kind of person I like to start and finish projects. I don't like to just get all excited and then never see things through to fruition, which is really hard as creatives. I mean, I have a lot of projects that I haven't finished, but some of the ones that I'm really passionate about, I like to see through. So I knew I was like, okay, I have to set some kind of like setup structure here. Um, and so, yeah, so at, at that time, there was about 100 people involved. There was artists and, and writers and people who wanted to be editors. Um, some people who didn't really know how they wanted to be involved, but knew they wanted to be involved somehow. And at the time for my day job, I was working as like a project manager. So I had some knowledge of how to kind of set up a project like this. But I, I will say like in retrospect, I wish I would have done things very differently. But at the time I was just kind of rolling with it, you know, trying to make sure everyone had what they needed. And, and also um, realize that because so many of these people were new that I, I wanted this to be a positive experience for them. I wanted them to feel like they had the support to write. They had like, I, I made a template for everyone. I was like, let's just use this. Let me give you something to kind of start with. Like, I don't know if it's perfect, but it'll give us a way to like get going on it. Um, and you know, I wanted everyone to feel like they had an equal stake in the project. Like, even though I was the project manager, I didn't want it to just be my creative like vision. Um, so it was really important to me that everyone felt like they could be an equal contributor to the project. The thing with that is that you still need someone to drive the project forward. So that is what I kind of took on as my role. Like I still wanted to make sure that we actually made something together and that it wasn't all just like brainstorming and ideating because that stuff's fun. But if you don't set real deadlines and things and things don't really happen. Um, so yeah, so it was, um, yeah, a, a project that became very big very quickly. So I was slightly overwhelmed, but I was just rolling with it because it was exciting too, that so many people like believed in that core idea. And then by February of the next year, 2019, we published the first volume. And then, you know, every few months after that, we did our next volume until volume four was out in 2020. Um, and yeah, it just, it just kind of continued to grow and snowball every time. It still yeah. is like that in so many ways for me, but that's, that's kind of the origin story of how all this came to be. Nice. I, I'm curious, like, how many people were involved in the first Uncaged Anthology, would you say, like, if you don't remember exactly, Ballpark? I think in the first book, I believe there's around between 40 and 50 contributors. And again, that's writers, artists, <laughs> uh, editors, um, 
a few, you know, sensitivity readers. Like it was kind of like, yeah, the team was about, I want to say about 40, 45 people or so. Um, so it was a lot. And I would say like a lot of those folks like helped out with each volume. So a lot of the same editors were on board for each volume. Yeah. I know, I know for a fact that like the original four volumes, um, I mean, total have over like a hundred com- contributors, but yeah, for each book, it was about, about 40 or so people. So quite a lot to wrangle. Ashley, where where did you learn to be like a project manager slash leader prior to this? Was this literally like where did you have experience with this sort of thing prior? I mean, yes and no. I feel like one thing that is very constant in my life is that I seem to somehow get myself involved in big and big ambitious projects. I've been like that since I was a kid. I don't know really where that comes from because I don't consider myself like entrepreneurial or anything like kind of bougie like that. But I really love you are. I know. Well, thank you. I, I know I am. And I guess I should just embrace it. But for me, it's like, I love being creative. And I love to make things and I love to make things happen. Like, like I mentioned, I love things to like actually be finished and out into the world. I'm like really passionate about getting to that end point and helping other people get to that end point. Cause I think that for independent creatives, that's like the biggest hurdle is like, I have this great ambitious idea. I get excited about it, but then I, my, my motivation, passion for it wanes. And then I just feel like I can't ever finish something. So I'm really passionate about figuring out how to finish something. I've also just always been in positions in my life where I kind of had to find, I I don't like the word discipline, but in a way I had to find some self-discipline. Like if I wanted to do things, I know I needed to figure out ways to get there. Um, I really, I feel like, um, like in high school, I was, I don't know, I was the president of three clubs, one of which I started. I was taking AP classes. I was like, I worked, I, I got myself a job at the local newspaper. I don't, I just like submitted articles to them. And then they like hired me. This is the only things that happened in a small town. And like, I was just always like getting myself into opportunities, like just always shooting my shot. I don't know where that confidence came from. I, I'm going to attribute it to my mom. Cause she was always like submitting my essays as a kid to like little kid publications and stuff like that. So I really attribute her like fostering that in me. But I guess I just was like, you know, here's what I want to do. I'm not going to wait for someone one to that I can do it or not. I'm just going to see if I can do it. Um, and so I guess I've just always had that, that attitude. And through yeah. that, I kind of learned a lot of the hard lessons about project management and time management and the, the business logisticals of like, you know, working with other people and, and collaborating. And, um, you know, I went to grad school and grad school is a huge test in like time management. And cause no one's going to check on you if you're, they, they don't care if you're finishing your thesis or not, you got to finish your thesis if you want to graduate. So I just, I learned a lot of lessons the hard way over the years. And I've just always been starting projects. When I was in grad school, I had like a a magazine for women in art and literature that I was just like self-publishing. And I was just like, I don't know, putting stuff out on the internet. And then I don't know. I, my answer is that I don't know, but I've just kind of like amassed these skills over the years because I have ideas that I want to try out. And so ultimately that's led me to some cool opportunities because now I have like an actual skill set in project management. Like it's something I've done in my career. Like I know kind of the actual like logistics of being a project manager, um, the tools you can use, you know, the, the, the way you can be an empowering manager and things like that. So it's all been very hard won. (laughs) Yeah, knowledge, a lot of burnout, which I do not recommend. I do not. I don't. I I never want to glamorize a lot of the things. I've done a lot of cool things in my life that I'm really proud of, but I never want to glamorize it because it's also I've I've gone through burnout a lot, and I never. I I want people to not be on that same cycle. So sometimes doing a lot of cool things is not the healthiest way to live your life. There's a balance there for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Hustle grind culture is always like right around the corner, especially when you have all these 
opportunities and people knocking on your door and i'm sure that's kind of what happened to you after your first adventure was a hit and and you were the it thing on dm's guild for a while there um and i and i want to pivot to what you bring to the table for the community at large and i think in no small part due to your ability to build a community to talk to the right people and inspire them to provide more to the community. And I want to talk about Storytelling Collective. How did that get started and what's it all about? Sure. So I feel like Uncaged and Storytelling Collective, to me, they they were they started around the same time and kind of for similar reasons. So the Storytelling Collective began as the RPG Writer Workshop in July of 2018. Like I mentioned, this was like a few months after I'd really been starting, you know, writing on DMs Guild. I was getting a lot of cool opportunities, people commissioning me to write adventures. And I was also getting a lot of questions from people about how to start writing your adventures, because at the time I had been basically publishing an adventure a month, like, and I had a good process and system for myself and people wanted to know how that worked. And I am a really big believer in sharing knowledge and sharing knowledge like as freely as possible and always like paying it forward however I can. I really think that most people who are independent creatives, they just need someone to be like their yes person and like not so much yes that all your ideas are amazing, but more like, yes, you can do this. Yes, here's how you get started. Yes, I'm going to hold the door open for you a core value in my life. And so I was like, okay, a lot of folks are emailing me asking similar questions. Like, what's your creative process? Like, what, how did you figure out how to write on DMs Guild? How do you start and finish a project? Kind of the same things coming up a lot. And so I have a background in literacy. That was what I did my um, master's degree. And I, at the time I'd worked with a lot of writers. So I kind of, I knew a lot about how to get people excited about writing. And again, starting and finishing projects is like something that I feel like at this point I have down. So I was like, I think people could use some structure here. I think people could use some approachable, accessible, educational resources about writing an adventure. I'm just going to do it from my perspective at this point, because that's what I know. And what I'm doing is working for me. It might not work for other people, but I'm going to basically put together what I called the RPG Writer Workshop. And I put like a, I created a template, which is actually the same template we used for Uncaged Adventures. And I did basically like a daily lesson that was sent via email of like, here's basically each step of my personal process. I usually create within a one month timeline. Um, and also that kind of aligns with um, National Novel Writing Month and kind of that structure. And people were like, what if there's a NaNoWriMo for adventure writing? And I was like, I could probably do something similar. So I had put together this like informal email series, again, put it out on Twitter, thought like five people would sign up and we'd have this little workshop and like 500 people signed up immediately and took on a life of its own. So this is kind of another recurring theme that I put stuff out in the universe and it always is bigger than I anticipate it being. And so um, I was excited though, because I was like, okay, there's definitely a need for educational resources, specifically for writing and publishing tabletop. There's a lot of resources for learning how to be a dungeon master, you know, game master. And so I wasn't, I didn't want to recreate the wheel or, you know, do something that was already kind of abundant on, on the internet. But when it comes to writing and publishing for our industry, there wasn't a lot of educational resources, mostly because I had looked and I was having trouble finding things. There were like blog posts and people sharing helpful things, but it wasn't in this like structured and empowering way to start and finish. And people really need a starting point with any creative endeavor. I always compare it to like when I wanted to learn how to knit and someone was like, well, just do it. And I was like, okay, that's not helpful because I don't know how to cast on to the needle. Like I need someone to show me how to actually get started. And I feel that way about every creative endeavor. 
sometimes that's, it's well-meaning advice, but people don't really know what to do with that. So I really believe in giving people like not handholding or, or being like, um, patronizing, but giving people really meeting people where they are. And a lot of people in our community are not professional writers. So there's a lot of like assumptions made by people who are professional writers. Like, well, don't you know that there's a template? Don't you know that there's this and this, a style guide? And people are like, no, I don't know that those resources exist. That's the foundation of the RPG Writer Workshop became the Storytelling Collective because one of the things that I learn every time we do a workshop or a course or program is that people want to learn how to develop their creative process. And again, that's not really something that you should just do from scratch. It's always nice to have an example of that to follow to pick what you like and what you don't like about it so that you can hone your own creative process. Because I don't believe that what I do works for everyone whatsoever. And what other people doesn't do doesn't work for me. But the goal is to help is to give people enough of a framework that they take in and make it their own and find what does work for them. There's a lot of different strategies there. Plus, I'm like you mentioned, like hustle culture, I'm really anti hustle culture, but I'm a big believer in wanting to do things. So and I, I want people to embrace their neurodivergency too, because I have a lot of my own, you know, considerations, anxiety and depression and things like that. So I want to create in spite of those things and not, you know, fight those parts of my identity. So I, I, I'm always on this quest to kind of help people find their creative process that is like really realistic to their lives and their personalities and their, you know, their many considerations. And so that's why the Storytelling Collective became more than just the RPG Writer Workshop is we wanted to kind of, you know, focus a little bit more broadly on the creative process for independent storytellers. There's also a lack of resources for people in other genres, you know, people who are writing, like we just launched a romance writing course and stuff with kind of our same framework. And because we know that that like really works to, you know, adapt to different genres and different types of writing and stuff. So that's why we kind of pivoted in that direction. A romance writing course. Yeah, so it's write your first gothic romance, um, uh-huh. and you write a three thousand word short story that will be uh-huh. publishing in a print and digital collection this year, actually. And the the goal of that course is to learn how to write for this specific genre using a specific project. You know, a big proponent of project based learning because it's nice to have that final deliverable when you're done learning something, because then you've actually gone through the real process of creating something. It's not just like theoretical. That is another thing that I've found a lot just in my years of being in literary communities is that a lot of resources are really high level theory and that's super important, but that's usually like next step for people. People really just need to know, how do I write? How do I write and complete a short story? It's not going to be the most amazing short story, but just having that framework there. And what I love about the specific course is that there is, um, there is a specific framework um, where it kind of breaks down that 3000 words into 750 word sections with could happen in each section. Like here's how you like, seed your story like here's where you put the climax like it it helps you figure out the pacing and and the character development and and the plot and i think again going back to what we're talking about with structure like knowing the structure of a story is so powerful because it helps you actually take your abstract ideas and make them into a real story like writing is a technical process it just is you can be really creative about it but the actual writing process is fairly technical so and And that's, this course is like, it follows what we consider to kind of be our core values. Like we want it to be affordable, accessible, accessible in kind of every way. Like we we always try to use alt text and make our our actual platform as accessible as possible for people. Um, We want it to be, you know, approachable where the information isn't too high level, but it's also not too simple either. Like we want to respect that, you know, our writers are smart people and they, they, 
they just kind of need a little bit of direction there. And so that's kind of all of our courses and programs are, are based off of that kind of value system. Um, and so we wanted to, we knew that what we were doing with the RPG writer workshop was working for a lot of people in our community. There's more than 12,000 people in our community. There's been thousands of published adventures from our programs and a lot of people wanted to write for other types of creative mediums. So that's why we were like, well, we can do this for, for other things. Like we do a fanfic challenge. We do, um, we did a comics challenge where people created their own like one page comic vignette, you know, to give people an opportunity to try something new. We do a poetry challenge. Um, we publish a lot of people's work. We always do like collections and anthologies that we publish after a lot of our challenges so that you have an actual published like byline. You have something that's part of your portfolio now. Cause again, like that's a big hurdle for people is to get published. So why make that so challenging when we can just give people an opportunity to be published without jumping through a bunch of hoops? Like what's more empowering than that, you know, than like seeing your work published. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of like the big picture of the RPG writer workshop and, and storytelling collective and where it started and kind of where it currently is. Can you send me a link? Cause I'm going to sign up for that romance course, like immediately. I don't know if you knew this or not, but, uh, I am the co-creator of a project that we're tentatively calling the how to GM romance guidebook, uh, this year. Uh, Michael creators, Kiana Shaw, uh, if you know Kiana, but, um, yeah, so we are gathering some how to's, some advice on how to run romance like safely and, um, you know, how to approach that sort of thing. And then also like actionable tools. So it's like a two, it's like a two sided book. So there's like actionable tools and then there's like stuff for like advice. But yeah, that I'm super excited about whenever I get some free time. So I'm a nerd too. And I think to myself, you know, what would be great if I wasn't working right now is if I just enrolled in a course and learned some more. Um, so somewhere like the Storytelling Collective is like kind of addictive uh, for me, like in the format that they uh, present things. And um, I find that when I looked over a lot of the project management courses, when I was trying to get my friend Kenzie, who uh, was new to Tabletop, I was thinking like, I would like you to be a member on my team, but I'm not sure how to train you myself. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy these courses on <laughs> Storytelling Collective. And here, just use my light. We used to be roommates. So, and they were roommates. Um, <laughs> and she, uh, you know, would sit over here and then she would be doing her, her courses. But yeah, it was uh, definitely one of the most accessible things that I've ever seen for that. Because uh, a lot of the resources that I see on Storytelling Collective, what you would find in a good business course but geared towards tabletop. And I think that a lot of people have just not been aware of it. I would like to bring more awareness to it because if you're going to start in tabletop um, storytelling collective, there's chances are that if you are thinking about doing something, the storytelling collective has a course that will walk you through doing exactly that. And then by the end of you doing the course, you will have a 90% solution on whatever you want to make. Um, and you'll be able to create what you want to create. And it'll take the uncertainty out of creation process because that is like you said like what gets people stopped up or gummed up is the uncertainty and not you know having a uh hey at a at a boy at a girl like you're, you're you've done what you needed to do like it, because there's so much like unknown territory out there and uh people who are out there doing it don't have necessarily the time to help every single person also follow in their footsteps so i think it's a wonderful program. I think it's a wonderful website. I think every single course, if as long as it applies to something you want to do, I think it's 
more than likely worth your money. My experience has always been that it's, you know, very good and it's worth the money. So when I'm looking at Storytelling Collective, I'm like, wow, this is really well put together. And I feel like it's built by an entire team. But like, how big is your team on Storytelling Collective? Well, we have we have four people and we all do this like completely part time, like we all have day jobs. (laughs) So we are not a big team. People often think that we are like some big corporation. And I'm like, no, I'm actually, I'm like emailing you back while I'm holding my kid. So that is nuts. (laughs) That is so fucking nuts, Ashley, to see this, to see the scale and scope of Storytelling Collective and to know it's only four people. Oh my God, that's nuts. Amazing. Yeah. And that's, I I would say that that's a fairly recent thing because I think we've only had our four person team since like last year. So it was, it's, which like, I'm so grateful for because again, I don't, I don't want to glamorize the hard work that has gone into building this. I've had a lot of like, you know, sleepless nights. It's been, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into this. There's the, the business side of things. There's the logistical side of things. Um, you know, we, we contract with a lot of amazing creators there's a lot of customer service to do. We spend a lot of time in our Discord, really fostering our community. It's like the foundation of everything we do. It's it's a lot, and it's it is too much for any one person to do. I really don't. And we say with Uncaged, like when I look back on on that, like I really should have brought on other people to help me with the project management and to kind of serve as as you know the the keepers of different aspects of that. The reason that I often take on these things myself is because if I can't guarantee like, you know, fair pay or things like that, I don't feel like it's a fair expectation to have people put in a certain amount of hours. I just don't believe in that. There's a balance there though. Like there's probably ways that I could have you know made it fair for, for other people to kind of join the kind of um, the executive team, which sounds like so like hoity-toity, but you know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> the kind of a creative leadership, I guess, because yeah. these projects, they do need someone to really... Like, like I, I'm constantly advocating for the storytelling collective because the the community is such an important part of that, and I want people to know that that's like the main the main benefit of it. Um, and by the way, everything you said, I'm gonna put on my website as a testimonial. So thank you for <laughs> thank you for making things a little easier for me. Uh, I would I would be happy to uh, write you a testimonial. I have been really impressed with storytelling collective. I want to work with Storytelling Collective. I think that's very obvious based on our conversation. Um, I'm trying to be as normal as possible right now, but like I super want to work with you um, on Storytelling Collective and anything that you're doing. But um, I think one of the things that also is very exciting about this is that um, you are basically flattening the hierarchy on the ivory tower that can really exist in a lot of industries. And... um, and if you're not familiar with like ivory tower, like that is a, a a phrase. What I mean by like ivory tower, it like comes from like ivory tower gaming, where um, we see in some like older editions, for instance, of like Dungeons and Dragons, where in third edition, um, if you didn't know the specific power builds um, that are now like posted on Reddit and stuff, and they're easy easily accessible for everybody, but if you didn't know that, like back in the dark ages before like everyone went on Reddit to get their power builds, you would have like a huge disparity in power level between like these two different characters in the same party because someone built an optimized build and someone did not. And that is sort of what you see in a lot of industries in which there's all this information and this how-to, this uh, sort of experience that is guarded by these uh, industry professionals. And it's 
you've democratized so much of that process for so many people. So thank you for that, first of all. And um, it's just, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, we're, I'm trying to do this as quickly as possible. I want to talk to you for like hours, but like, let's talk about uh, your experience writing Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Sure. Um, first of all, thank you so much. I'm like really touched by everything you just said. Uh, I'm, I'm trying my best to, you know, make things happen for, for other people. And it's hard. We live in a in a tough time right now, you know, everyone's trying to make ends meet and stuff. And sometimes, you know, investing in your own creativity doesn't always feel like top priority, but I really believe that it's fundamental to our future. And I don't say that lightly. So whatever I can do, I, I really look at everything I do as like an act of service, even though there's, you know, monetary transactions there, like my goal really is for everyone to happiness and success and creative fulfillment. No, no easy task. Um, so yeah, let's talk about Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. So I I was I really loved working on this book. I think it's I, I really think it's such a cool story, a project that I'm really proud of. I loved, loved, loved the team that I got to co-write it with. And that was definitely the highlight of working on a big book like this. Uh, it was definitely a goal of mine to work on an official Wizards of the Coast book uh, when I started. Right, Well, it wasn't really a goal until I realized it could be a goal. <laughs> so when I started writing on DMs Guild, like I didn't, I had no idea that they brought on like, you know, contributing writers from that and that writing on D DMs Guild could be a really viable path to that. So once I did know that that was an option, I got really excited and kind of worked my way up to that. And people ask me a lot, like how I got the opportunity. And I, I can't really answer that because I don't know. I think it was a combination of factors. I think because I had a lot of work on DMs Guild, um, you know, I had shown that I, you know, could write and publish and, and finish projects. Uh, I had some commission work under my belt. So, and that the reputation that you earn from commission work is, is really important. Um, just knowing that, that you are a reliable person and you're communicative and you're like nice to work with, you know, easy to work with, like you take feedback well and you implement it and you keep things professional. Those are all really good foundational skills. Uh, and I think it just helped that I think I kind of had established that as being an expectation of working with me, like to like working with me. So that is good. Uh, it helps. I yeah, it, it totally helps. I think that that's something that a lot of people kind of take for granted, but it is, there are the, these intangible things about being an independent creative that do lead to opportunities. So I do feel like because I had, you know, some good experiences with people that that helps, you know, when my name was in the ring. And yeah, so I think it's just a combination of things. I, but I don't know. <laughs> so I, I get that question a lot. Like, well, how did you get it? I'm like, I, uh, I think it's just uh, maybe luck. Um, I know that like at the time, Chris Perkins had put out kind of a call on Twitter, like who are some of your favorite tabletop writers? And a lot of people mentioned my name, which I just am forever grateful for. And so I think, again, that probably helped, you know, and he saw people recommending people and my name came up quite a few times. And so it's, it was a combination of things, but um, yeah, it's, it was really interesting. I was really excited to kind of see, you know, behind the curtain, like how are these books made different? I think the process for that is all very different. I think the process of Frostmaiden was very different from other books. So I can only really speak to how it worked for us. I know as soon as we kind of, we signed our NDAs, most of the co-writers, we, we started a Twitter because we're all like, oh my God, <laughs> like, this is awesome. This is amazing. We can't tell anyone else. So we're just going to like squee about it with each other. And it was cool because I think the majority of the writing team are, were women or, um, you know, femme presenting uh, people. And it was really cool for that to be the kind of majority on a D&D &D book. That's kind of rare. 
And so that was cool. Especially considering that one of the main antagonists was uh, femme presenting, right? So something that often was not presented or designed in that way in Wizards products was like they would have someone not from that writing about that group. So I think that was fairly interesting. And also, if we look at uh, the other major NPCs, majority femme presenting. So I mm-hmm. thought that was really interesting as well. So that makes sense that majority of writers, you know, in hindsight, um, were on the writing team. Yeah, I think that that is, it's both evident and not evident in the story. Because there's, when you're working on a on a book like this, so for example, we're given like a story Bible when we come on board as contractors. It's basically like, here's the narrative arc, here's kind of the main narrative beats, like a lot of that's already determined. So, and and some other big books that I've worked on with people like are a little bit different. Sometimes you can be a little bit more of, you know, be, be a bigger part of that initial process. But with, with Wizards of the Coast and kind of those big companies, a lot of that's already determined by their, you know, staff writers, which is fine. That's kind of how that works. But they bring contractors on to, you know, bring the story to life in, in different ways. And so we got this pretty robust story Bible with a lot of the major NPCs and, and some of the really interesting stuff. And then you get like your chapter assignments, your kind of word count assignments. And a lot of that was very bare bones. So there's there was like one chapter, a lot of us contributing writers, like we wrote like a major chapter of, of the book and then a bunch of other smaller things there too. And so like for one big chapter that I wrote, like I got like two sentences to kind of go off of. And I was like, okay, got to really flesh this out into a full chapter. Also, this happens to be the climax of the book. So uh, good luck. Have fun. Um, and Are you allowed to say which chapter? Yeah. So stuff got changed in kind of order when the book was published. But I wrote the Oral's Abode chapter where you go to Grimskull and you actually get face to face with the Frostmaiden, which was Really exciting because I love the Frost Maiden. I obviously through Uncaged, I have a big passion for the you know female creatures in in D and D. And Oriel's an interesting one because she is definitely a villain. She's definitely doing some stuff that's not very nice. Um, but she's got her reasons for doing it. And so I wanted to make uh, the exploration of her home, her palace, to be really interesting. And um, so yeah, so that was kind of like what I consider my 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 big contribution to the book. But then there is also um, a lot of smaller chapters at the beginning that I got to help out with as well. And so yeah, it was it was pretty bare bones. Um, luckily, our kind of private writer chat was was awesome for just motivation and inspiration and running ideas past each other. And like that experience was so amazing that like that's really was like the highlight of working on on this book was just like working alongside these awesome writers and, uh, you know, hearing their ideas and, you know, getting to help support them. And, you know, when we were running up against deadlines and we're all like panicking and, you know, it's like we had this like shared experience together and we called we called our group the Valkyries. Um, because, you know, we're writing this like kind of Nordic, dark Nordic themed adventure. And one of our contributors, Anne Gregerson is an actual, like she lives in Denmark. So like, they're like our resident Viking. And so that was really cool. And, uh, yeah, so that was kind of how that process went. We worked on it for a few months. I know we got, I mean, it's, it's kind of a short turnaround, so you don't get like a year really to work on. I mean, the book itself like is produced over the course of like a year and probably longer, but our, our contributions were within like the span of a few months. And so you really do have to, again, going back to this idea of like self-discipline, like you do kind of have to keep yourself on track and reined in and, and find your own ways to do that. And I was also working on some other project at the time because I wasn't, this this opportunity kind of just like came in a time where I wasn't really expecting it. It's not like, you know, like 
hey, in three months, Chris Perkins is going to email you and ask if you want to do this. You just get the email and you're like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He like yeah. DM'd me on Twitter and he was like, hey, are you interested in working on this? But I'm like, yeah, Chris, I'm at the gym on the elliptical. So I'm like sending you typo <laughs> messages with my sweaty fingers. But yeah, I would like to work on this book. Thank you. Just send me the information. Like, yeah, that's yes. that's funny because that was M's story too. Only M uh, said that she, uh, she almost missed the opportunity because she didn't check her Twitter DMs. And she had an unread message from Chris Perkins for a while. So I just left Chris Perkins on unread. Just like... <laughs> I mean, that's a power move. I just got to say, <laughs> because like, yeah, I got them as, I mean, I, I probably saw it like the second he sent it in and I just want to be like, okay, I don't want to be too intense because you don't want to like, <laughs> I mean, it's like not cool if you re reply like the next second and be like, yeah, yeah. I, you, know, you don't want to send Chris Perkins like a bunch of emojis, like being like yeah, yeah. excited. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I feel like my face because I like, I probably like screamed yeah. or squealed when I was like, I literally, had the, I remember this like so clearly I was like reading my emails when I was on the elliptical as I did. And I just got this like message from Chris Perkins. I was like. And I like dropped yeah. my phone and then I was like, trying to make sure I responded and like make sure I don't like delete the message in the meantime. It was just like, it was just chaos. Um, Everybody's looking at you in the gym like, what the hell? Like, oh, I can only imagine when I, what I and of course, if I was like, if I told anyone like Chris Perkins wants me to write a D&D &D book, they would have been like, what are you, what are you talking about? That makes sense. Um, but yeah, it was a really, really exciting moment. I, it was, it really did feel like the culmination of of a lot of of hard work and because that was in 2019 so i had been really actively at it for you know since late 2017 and really like non-stop until that point i will say by the end of 2019 i burnt out hard um because i really had been working on a lot of big things in like kind of rapid succession and things really hadn't slowed down at all. And so I, I definitely <laughs> crashed. And then in early 2020, the pandemic started and stuff. So it's, it's been kind of a weird few years since then, but it was, it's, it's been an amazing journey, but I definitely have learned better about, uh, you know, be more mindful about what I say yes to, which is something that I really encourage other people to keep in mind. Like, when you're starting out, it's really easy to just say yes, yes, yes to everything that comes your way because you're like, I don't want to lose an opportunity. I don't want to say no to things. And of course, I like would have never said no to like you know, Chris Perkins or a project like that. But there's other things at the time that I probably could have said no to so that I could focus on those things that were really important to me. I really like this is something I started a mentorship program in 2020 to really kind of like the hard lessons that I've learned, you know, to other people so that people don't make the same mistakes and learn the hard way. And one thing I really tell people is like, have your own criteria for the projects that you say yes to, because I was saying yes to a lot of things that I was like, eh, I mean, I like this person, so maybe I should just do this as like a favor to them or like maybe this project will lead to something, but it doesn't really excite me, but I'll say yes to it anyway and blah, blah, blah. And so by the time like the really cool things came my way that I was really excited about, I was kind of drowning in other projects that I wasn't mm -hmm. as passionate about. So um, that is something that I've, I've, I've really tried to be um, strict about with myself. It's like, just because something comes your way, first of all, it doesn't always mean that it's the right fit for you. And I love being able to pass opportunities on to other people that I know are really cool. Like, and something that I say no to might be someone else's like big yes. So it doesn't always feel like it's not as hard of a decision for me now to say no to things because I always have someone that I can recommend instead. And that's kind of my way of making that work. But um, yeah, Frostmaiden, just incredible. Whenever I go to the bookstore, I always like go to the bookshelf and I'm like, that's my baby. Not my real baby, but my, my, my creative babies. <laughs>
and yeah it's really cool it was really special what's it like for you to read stories about people playing rhyme and the frost maiden and like their stories now now that you have affected so many people with uh your writing it is i mean it's it's incredible anytime someone contacts me and they're like hey i played your your adventure or we you know we just finished our group just finished playing frost maiden and here's what happened when we did this and this i'm like oh it's like it's so cool it it makes me emotional. It's just, it's, it's so, that's also like one thing that's really special about writing for tabletop. And I mean, I love all forms of writing. I love writing short stories and poetry and working on a novel and things like that. But there's something about the interactive nature of writing for tabletop that I think is so cool and inspiring and, and having people actually like interact with your characters and be a part of your story and be in the setting that you create is like, there's nothing like it. And so it's really, it's really cool. I love to hear what people do like differently from the book and how they've, you know, made the story their own at their table. And, uh, you know, the, the challenges that they've run into, there's a couple of really dangerous parts in, in Frostmaiden that people are like, oh, we got so stuck. And I'm like, that'll happen to you there. It's tough. And then there's some really funny moments there too. Like there's some, there's these like two wolves that I created for the book um, that have this like good wolf, bad wolf, like dynamic. And one's like, and the other one's like, you know, like the big bad wolf and stuff. And like, I love hearing about people's experiences encountering those wolves because they're like, they're like awakened wolves so that you can have like conversations. Sometimes people try to make them their familiars. And it's just, it's so, it's so fun to just know how people, it's like, I love this idea of this like mass, like multiverse that we're all playing in. Like all these different characters are passing through the same story, but in very different ways and leaving their mark on it. It's cool. It's just, it never gets old. It always excites me. It's, I don't know. It's like, I don't, it's hard to express how much it like means to hear people engage with your work in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with respect to the time limit that we have today, Ashley, I wanted to give you the opportunity. Let's talk about some of the new programs coming up on Storytelling Collective this year and some other projects that you might want to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a lot in store. It's definitely been a cool year. We are um, expanding the RPG Writer Workshop, and we have some new programs coming within that, one of which, um, at the time of recording, we are launching this week. It's called Bookworms, W-Y-R-M-S, Book Bookworms, and it is our tabletop reading club. And the goal with this is to, every, every month, we're going to pick a tabletop game to read as a group and study and then learn how to write for because we want the process of learning new tabletop games to be a lot more approachable and accessible for people. Of course, you can go on YouTube or go on the internet and find stuff, but to actually learn a game well enough to write for it is kind of its own obstacle. So the goal here is that reading makes us better writers and we want to help facilitate that. So that is, it's going to be a really cool membership program. We have people who actually are part of developing the games that we're going to be reading, join as guests and expert facilitators. Uh, you'll get like worksheets and we're going to do Zoom calls together and you'll basically have like a 24-7 community to ask questions and share your thoughts on the books that we're reading. So I'm really excited about that. And I think um, I know this year a lot of people are really eager to learn new tabletop games and there's so many cool games you can write for besides D&D. I love D&D. will always be a game that I find very special, but there's so many great tabletops that you can write and publish for. So it doesn't have to be your only entry point there. Um, so yeah, so Bookworms is coming up. You can learn more about that at storytellingcollective.com. 
Let's see, we host free creative challenges throughout the year. Uh, we actually just finished our flash fiction February one, but we have a poetry one coming up. We're doing our fan fiction one again. We're doing our comics collection again for free comic book day where you learn how to write and like illustrate or you know put together images for a one page comic that we then publish as a collection. And uh, that'll be in the spring. And um, our popular Write Your First Adventure program, which we typically run every July and November, is actually a program that we're going to be making something that you can take at any time of the year. And we're going to be changing the structure of that in a really positive and exciting way. So if you want to write your first adventure, you won't have to wait for just those two months of the year to join that program. Yeah, I think, I mean, we got, we got, we got a lot going on. The best place to learn is to go to our website. We have a free newsletter that will give you all the details. So if you go there and sign up, we'll be sure to keep you in the loop. But that's kind of a short version of, of what's on the agenda. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ashley, for taking the time to come and chat with us. And uh, all of you can find the links in the description uh, that Ashley's talking about and go enroll in a course. Uh, they have some free stuff available for you to check out. They have the newsletter and uh, you can also pay a very low fee uh, in order to learn so much about how you can start your own personal journey uh, being a creative in tabletop. Thank you for having me. Hi, thanks for listening. If you want to support me, you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash isfriday. Or you can find some of the work that I'm doing at vineyardrpg.com if you want to pre-order the book that we made.